with you guys some testimonies, uh, and some of the testimonies you have heard before, but I'm going to tell you what we thought and what was going through our mind at the time and how we had to push through to get breakthrough, okay? Because I want you guys to understand, um, when we first started praying for the sick years ago, you know, they taught us in Bible college, you know, call for the elders of the church, lay hands on the sick, you know, the Bible talks about that and everything, and that's a biblical approach to do. But the thing was, was we would pray over somebody and we'd be like, amen, take off, you know? And then, um, and then you would hope later that you might hear a testimony that maybe God might have healed them. You know what I mean? How many of you can relate to that? Have you ever been in that situation where you just kind of pray and you're like, God healed them, and we just thank you, God, that you are the God who heals, and, and, um, and just bless them in Jesus' name, amen. You know, be out of there. Don't even ask them a question. How do you feel? Do you feel any better? Do you feel, you know? And they're, they're just like, thank you for praying. You're like, thank you for allowing me to pray. You know, you're separate ways because everybody's awkward. You know what I mean? Do you guys feel awkward when you pray for people? Who feels awkward when you pray for people? Some of you, yeah. I used to feel awkward when, you know, and I was telling you, when I was in Bible college, see older students, they were old men. They were like 40 years old that went to Bible college, you know, and uh, they were old, early 20s, and uh and uh, they would be like, hey, let, let me pray for you and your family. And because uh, and, they would see us in Walmart, and we were like, and they were from the same school. And I'd be like, right here, right now, in Walmart? And they're like, absolutely. And then they would lay their hands on you. And, and then you'd always get the ones that were really excitable that would pray for you. And they'd be like, dear Jesus! You know, and, and I mean, just making a scene in the middle of the aisle. And, um, and then they would pray for you for like five minutes. And the whole time, you're not, you're not getting nothing out of it. You're just like, oh, just say amen, you know, so I can get out of this awkward situation. And, um, and so I didn't receive anything when they would pray for me, and it, was, and it was always awkward and embarrassing. And if you would have told me, at, you know, years later that the bulk of my ministry would be out on the streets praying for the sick in public places, I would have been like, you're out of your mind. No way, no how, because I wouldn't want to put anybody through that. And, um, but I learned that you don't have to do the, you know, the whole dear Jesus and make the scene and, and start calling down fire from God and all that stuff. You don't have to make a circus out of, um, out of ministering to people. You don't have to shout. You don't have to yell. You don't have to get worked up into a, um, a frenzy because the Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. Remember when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus? It descended on Jesus like a... Dove, and we talked about this. Um, we talked about this last year, and I want to share this with you about working with the dove. Okay, we talked about this a little bit last year, and um, the Holy Spirit, if you will, will come and He will rest on you. Now, I took a picture and posted on Facebook about a year, year and a half ago, of when Marsh and I came out of um, this Mexican restaurant over in O'Fallon. And when we came out of this Mexican restaurant, there was a dove that landed on my landed on my car, and it was sitting right where the you know where you had that little grill and the in the windshield wipers are. It was sitting there, and so we approached our car very very. We didn't make sudden moves, and we're like, "Hey, it's a bird!" You know, we didn't get all crazy like that or anything. We gradually approached the car because I wanted to get up close and get a picture, and. Um, and when I approached the car, 
I wasn't, you know, be, you know, I wasn't whipping out my phone and doing, you know, and making all the sorts of movements. I approached it with, I had thought in every step that I took toward that bird. And I got, and I was able to, if the dove was sitting here, I was able to get this close to the dove and be able to snap its picture. And so everything that I did from the moment I saw the dove and was aware of the dove's presence, a cool picture. And the thing is, is um, when it comes to doing the work of the ministry, um, you don't have to, and I'm going, and I'm going to pick on, you know, we're we're Pentecostal, we're charismatic, whatever you want to call it. You know, some people call it charismatic, some people call it Pentecostal. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that what God did in the Bible, God will do today. Okay, and um, in the old days of the charismatic Pentecostals they would get themselves worked up into a frenzy. Um, are you guys okay with me telling you the truth, or you want me to uh, sugarcoat it? Okay. They would, get you, uh, they would get worked up into a frenzy, and they would start shouting down the devil, screaming at the devil. How many of you have been in services like that where they scream down the devil? How does that make you feel in reality? It's awkward. Some people get into it. Uh, don't get me wrong. Some people actually get into it, and they, they, find, a, um, they find a pleasure in it, you know. Um, Havish and I were going to do um, some years back at Passengers. But that person's uh, grandmother was um, old-time Pentecostal. And she goes, I want to come. And she told Havisha, she goes, I want to come, and I want to be there. And she goes, I can't wait. This is exciting. We are going to do battle with the devil. And so I told the family, if she comes, I'm not coming. And they're like, why? I said, because this isn't a game, and it's not a circus, and, and we don't need to conjure up a circus in order to walk in victory. I won't do it. I won't play that game. And so they opted out of not having us come and minister because they didn't want to offend Grandma, who wanted to come do battle with the devil. And she was like, this is exciting. This is going to be fun. We're going to defeat the devil and we're going to do battle. And I'm like, no, we're not. The devil's already defeated. We're just going to enforce the authority that God has given us over him and see that person set free. We don't need to come yell, scream, and holler and, and work, up a, work it up into a frenzy because the Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And when he descended upon Jesus at his baptism, the image that we have is always it's a gentle spirit. It's like a dove resting on you. And we talked about this last year, that as we live our Christian life and as we go through our daily lives, we need to understand that we carry the presence and the Spirit of God on us, Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. And just like when I approached that dove that was sitting there on my car, we need to do everything that we do on purpose with that dove, meaning Holy Spirit, in mind. Every action that we take, every word that we speak, every movement that we do, we need to do it with, on purpose with being aware of what Holy Spirit wants. Because the last thing we want especially when we are doing the work of the ministry, is to have the spirit lift. 
out of a place. And it's really easy to cause the spirit to lift. It doesn't mean that God's abandoning you, but the thing is, is you can destroy the moment based on your own actions. Just like with that bird sitting on the, on, on the, uh, on the car, I could have missed the entire moment based on my actions, my movements, my every sound that I made. I could have caused that bird to lift. And it's like that with Holy Spirit. When we are doing a service, when we are doing the work of the ministry, we need to be mindful of what Holy Spirit is doing. Not what we think we should do, but what Holy Spirit is doing. And I'm going to get into that a little bit as I talk about some of the testimonies and as we get into the scripture. Because Jesus in his life demonstrated to us he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And when he walked the earth, he walked the earth as 100% man. He wasn't walking the earth as God-man. He was walking the earth as the person who has had the identity of God, fully identi identified as God. That was his identity. That is who he is. But he chose not to tap into that. But he chose to live among us as a man to demonstrate to us what it's like to walk in partnership with Holy Spirit. And so he showed us that if you walk in partnership with Holy Spirit, you don't have to sin. Did you guys hear me? We don't have to sin. It doesn't mean that we're not sinners saved by grace. It means that we, in our relationship with Holy Spirit, don't have to sin. And I can tell you this. When I listen to Holy Spirit, when I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about do this, do this, do this, and don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. If you try to live your life, try to do the do's and don'ts, you're going to live a miserable life because you'll fail every time. But if you live in obedience to the Holy Spirit with what does Holy Spirit have in mind in this situation when you see people, when you, if you're able to see the need in people, the last thing on your mind is sin. Remember, I don't, what, what's the old... The old, it's not a biblical proverb, it's just a, it's a folklore, uh, folklore isn't the right word, um, idle hands is the devil's workshop, you know what I mean? That is so true, but if we are mindful of the presence of Holy Spirit all the time, we will sin a whole lot less. You guys understand what I mean? But with that in mind, when it comes to the ministry, we need to be mindful of what the Holy Spirit is doing because we don't want the Holy Spirit to lift. Because... Um, you can miss what God's doing in the moment. And Jesus came and he demonstrated us to us as a man living in the flesh because he took on our human nature and he did not sin because he walked hand in hand with Holy Spirit. And he was demonstrating to us what life can be like for every one of us if we would walk with the presence of the dove, meaning Holy Spirit in mind. You guys understand what I mean? If we are mindful of Holy Spirit, we can live like Jesus did, and we can do what Jesus did. And Jesus even said in his own words, these things I do, you will do these and even greater things than these. But that's all with keeping in mind the presence of what the dove is doing, what Holy Spirit is doing. And so when I approached that bird on my car about a year and a half ago, I got that perfect picture. It was an amazing picture. Then I slowly moved, and we slowly each got on each side of the car, and we slowly opened the door. 
and we closed the door very softly. Both of us did. And then we started the car, and by because we did everything so slow, we started the car, and um, and even the starting of the car didn't disturb that dove sitting on our sitting on our um, on our windshield wiper thing there. And so then we started to move, and we were just going inch by inch by inch in the parking lot, and that dove was along for the ride, and um, and that dove stayed there until I put the pedal to the metal. You know what I mean? And, um, and I want you guys to understand that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to lead us and to guide us, to be our counselor, to help us in situations, to help us in ministering to people. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about three different things. We're going to talk about two miracles in the Bible today. And we're going to look at Jesus' methods. And I'm going to share with you some personal testimonies. But I want you to understand... When you listen to Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can get you out of incredible situations. Do you guys know that? If you're in a bad spot, through miracle of listening to the Holy Spirit, you can get out of situations. Okay? How does Holy Spirit speak to you? One, through the written word of God. He brings it to life. He will inspire it and bring it to life. And you can learn so much. So be in the word. Be people of the word. Know the promises of the word. Know your identity. Get to know who you really are in Christ Jesus through the word. The Holy Spirit will bring it alive to you. But he will also speak to you in a still, small voice. He will speak to you in your imagination, in your dreams, in your thoughts. You know, we we talk about this every Wednesday night, almost. When I say school bus, what do you see? Yellow bus. Do you see the kids on it sometimes? If you rode a bus, do you go back to when you rode a bus? When I, when I say school bus, I see yellow bus. I see all the people that I grew up with on it. I also see Pastor Boris Bayless. You guys remember Boris Bayless who came and preached? And he'll be back again soon. He pastors the Berkeley Church now. He moved here from South Carolina just in the last six months, and he's pastoring the Berkeley Church now. And um, so when I see school bus, not only do I see the bus, I see people. I see Boris. I see good times and things that I remember. And so the Holy Spirit will speak to us in our imagination. And the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can do the work of the ministry, which we're going to get into the work of the ministry in just a minute, but the Holy Spirit will protect us, will get us out of tight situations. And I want to share with you a funny story. And I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize until this week when I was sharing it with, with one of our new co-workers. Um, we have a co-worker that's on our maintenance team that was a boxer. And he was a three-time uh, Golden Glove champion in Missouri. And he was also a champion in the Navy boxing team and also the uh, Army boxing team. Now, he's, he's an older man now. He's 61 years old. Neat guy, just a really neat guy. But I was sharing with him the other day about how following the Holy Spirit got me out of situations. And, the, and it reminded me of back when I was working as a youth pastor years ago. And I was starting, but not quite yet there, on learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And um, I was running to supplement my income. I was running a vending route um, to, to supplement my income. And I delivered into a place that was, a, that was kind of a sketchy area. And the people that worked there were really rough people. And um, now I'm, you know, I'm small in size. I'm 5'7". And, and, um, and 
So I'm on my, I'm on my vending truck. I'm in my little cube truck. And um, as I'm in the cube truck, this guy hops up into the back of the truck, and he jumps up there, and, and he calls me an mf -er. And he says, I'm going to take whatever I want out of this truck, and there ain't a, and he cussed at me and says, there ain't a thing you can do about it. Now, I'm pinned in, into the, I'm pinned in up against the, in, inside the box of that truck, I'm, and he's blocking the entrance. I, there ain't no way I'm going to get out of that truck. And he's in there, and, he, and he's just daring me to do something about it. And he says he's going to do something about it. And, um, and I didn't know that the Holy Spirit yet speaks to you in your imagination, meaning in word pictures, like when I say school bus. You know, I didn't know that the Holy Spirit spoke to you in that way. But um, when I was standing there, um, just for a split second, I saw something flash through my mind. And, um, and, inst and, and I immediately did it. And what I saw flash through my mind was this. As, as, um, as he's doing that and he's threatening me, this is what I saw go through my mind. And then I immediately did it. And, um, and I had just moved here from Springfield, Missouri. And so I, I took my shoe and I kicked one shoe off, kicked my other shoe off just like that. And I just stood there and I said, go ahead. And he looks down at my feet with confusion on his face. And he's just staring at me standing there in that box in my socks just like I'm doing right here, right now. And he looks at me and he says, um, he said something expletive, and, and, uh, and I said, I just want you to know that I just moved here, and, I'm the, and I was the Springfield champion kickboxer, and so go ahead and try to get whatever you want. And I just stood there like that. I never kickboxed in my life. But it was just what flashed through my mind for a second. He's standing there looking at my shoes, you know, right in front of him and looking at my feet, and he goes, I'm good. And he starts backing up like this. He exits out of the truck and goes on. And um, my thought was, what on earth was that about, you know? And so um, I'm going to be honest with you. I used that another time after that because it it, you never forget something like that. You know what I mean? But you'll have stuff go across your mind that can get you out of bad situations. Holy Spirit's job is to lead you. He will protect you. But you've got to follow his leading. You understand what I mean? Now, disclaimer. I don't know if that was Holy Spirit, but I can tell you I don't think like that either. You understand what I mean? To just kick your shoes off at somebody that's threatening you and just stand there and be like, go ahead. You know, I don't think like that. So I assume, and I make an assumption, a big assumption in this, that that was um, one of the first times I followed through on Holy Spirit leading me in a very not-so-pleasant situation. Okay? So that's my disclaimer. You guys good with that? So, when it comes to the work of the ministry, we need to be aware of Holy Spirit speaking. When it comes to helping other people, we need to be aware of when Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And He will speak to us, or at least for me, He may speak to you guys in that still small voice. Because um, we all may hear Him a different way, but I'm, I'm sharing with you from my personal experience that where He speaks to me is in my imagination quite a bit. Because I'll see word pictures take place in my imagination. And um, 
And I want to share with you what Jesus did here in the healing of a deaf and mute man. It says in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, and I'm going to stop on a couple places and I'm going to point some stuff out, most likely. All right? It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hands on the man. After Jesus took him aside away from the crowd, I want to stop there a second. When you go to do ministry with somebody, you need to be aware of who's around you. Are you guys hearing me? You need to be aware of who's around you. There's nothing wrong with doing public ministry. In fact, I encourage it because it, draw, it usually draws a crowd, and when God gives the breakthrough, then you've got a whole ton of people that are in line that have their faith just went through the roof, and they are ready for breakthrough too. And then that's when you can see miracle after miracle after miracle take place. But there are times when you need to be aware of who's around you, and sometimes you've got to draw people away from to be able to get that breakthrough. Okay? In, for instance, remember, um, not last sermon, but the sermon before, we were talking about de demons and deliverance ministry. You remember that? Remember when I was sharing with you about when that lady came into our church in Correctionville on a Wednesday night years ago, and um, she came and sat on the front aisle, and I told you about how she started manifesting demons. You remember that? Because I, I went up there, and then I just pointed at her, and I started... Um, I started speaking in tongues, and I never do that in public. I never do that in public. And I started speaking in tongues and just pointing at her. And when I did, all these demonic spirits started manifesting themselves. And, um, and on this side of the church, we had all the new believers who were praying earnestly for her. On this side of the church, we had all the people in the church who didn't want me to be their pastor, who wanted me to be gone, who uh, didn't believe that she was full of demons, and they thought that this was some maybe stunt that we may have put on. Um, I didn't know then, but I do know now, when you're in a place that's divided, and you're trying to get breakthrough, and you're trying to connect with God for someone's breakthrough, sometimes you got to take that person out of the situation and get them away from the crowd, if you will. We didn't see breakthrough. These people, these people were over on this side were praying, praying, praying really, really hard. These people were over here talking amongst themselves saying, this is bull, this is not right, this is, something's going on, this is, this is made up, she's faking it, he's faking it, you know. What a mess up of a Wednesday night service type thing. That was the attitude on this side of the room. How do you get breakthrough if you got a house that's divided? You don't. And I know that from over and over again, seeing different things like that take place. You have to, when you are going for the breakthrough in the kingdom thing, in spiritual things, you need unity. And it doesn't mean that everybody agrees because, like even with my board, we have differences of opinion on things. But we walk in a spirit of unity. Unity doesn't mean that we're all... Um, agree on the same philosophies, agree on everything. It doesn't mean that at all. Unity means that 
We keep what's important, important, and we keep relationship first, and we keep what's important, important. And so, sometimes you have to draw people away from the crowd. Why Jesus brought this man away from the crowd, I do not know. But he brought this man away from the crowd. And so, sometimes you have to be mindful of who's around you, okay? Because we've had times where we went to pray for somebody that we had somebody came in here one time and had a spirit and we and it was on uh, one of our um one of our uh halloween things you remember, you remember that and we had to drag a, draw them away because all of a sudden some people wanted to see a show and that's the last thing that we will do is put on a show for anybody because you got to be mindful of what the holy spirit the dove is doing you got to be mindful of his presence and so, Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd, it says in verse 33. And then Jesus does a prophetic act. It does, remember I was talking to you a, um, a couple months ago about sometimes to see the breakthrough, you don't pray. You remember that? Sometimes you have to do prophetic acts. And in this, we see Jesus do a prophetic act. It says, after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Dan, would you come up here a second? I'm going to give you a demonstration. Are you okay? We good? All right. The reason I invited Dan is because Dan's, Dan's a good sport, okay? Now, I want to give you an idea of what this looks like, Okay? We're not going to go all the way with this, okay? Relax, okay? So Jesus drew the man away from the crowd. Then he doesn't say, Father, or anything like that. How does this look? Natalie says, funny, strange. What about to the rest of you? Huh? Weird? Y'all are kind of looking around like, this is awkward. How do you feel? Is it awkward? A little bit. He likes that? Mm -hmm. Huh? What was that, Larry? It's strange, but it's Danny. Okay. Because I'm standing here, and you guys are almost kind of smirking a little bit. But sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you to do things like this. Remember I shared with you guys that testimony of the deaf lady getting healed in Walmart? We grabbed her ears. And, and we were standing at the end cap holding her ears. And uh, the, the third time we prayed for her. Notice the third time? That was when we took the hearing aid out of her, the one ear that she had 50% of her hearing in. And it was when we grabbed her ears and she held the hearing aid here. We grabbed her ears. And the thing was, was we saw in our imagination us standing there grabbing her ears, holding her ears like this. And it was when we finally did the physical act of grabbing her ears, and at this point a crowd had gathered around us. And it was when we grabbed her ears was when she was healed. But we did the whole, dear Jesus, you know, we, we went through all the flowery words and everything, and... Um, and it wasn't until we actually saw and we followed what we saw in our imagination, which was 
grabbing her ears like this and having her stand there and hold her hearing aid that she was actually healed of her deafness in both ears. But the thing is, is it will look awkward sometimes. And I want you guys to imagine, okay, you guys are used to weird, okay? You guys know that? You guys are a little bit desensitized to weird. <laughs> you guys know that, right? Yeah? Yeah? The thing is, is the people in Jesus' day were not. Jesus was the first really weird one among them. Because he did things that went against religious tradition. He did things that went against protocol. In Jesus' day, you never let a woman touch you. And we learned about that on Wednesday in Larry's class. And, and he let a woman come in and touch her. And she, she cried on his feet. She broke the singing over his feet. And she did, you know, she did that stuff with her hair. Jesus was weird to his culture. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to do something that's weird. And it may be stick the fingers in the ears. And I mean, you guys are desensitized to weird, but even when I did that just to Danny, you're all like, you know, all right. I'd like to tell you it stopped there. And Jesus gave us a model for ministry for healing deafness. But no, I didn't stop right there. It says, then it goes on, it says, he spit and touched the man's tongue. Stick it. No, 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 we're not going to go there. All right, thank you. But it says that then Jesus spit and he touched the man's tongue. Ears and spitting and touching the man's tongue. If I spit on my hand right now and wanted to come touch your tongue, what would you be like? Hmm? What'd you say, Glenn? Nasty. Jeremy, Jeremy. Who's germaphobes in here? We got a couple of germaphobes. Yeah. But he spit and touched the man's tongue. Then he decides he's going to speak. And he says, and he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to the man, Larry, you want to pronounce a word? I don't even want to take a stab at it. Ifafa? What is that? What would you, how would you pronounce it, Natalie? Ifafa. Jesus says one word. He didn't go into a circus or anything like that. He did, he did two prophetic acts. Fingers in the ear, spitting, and touching the man's tongue. He says one word. Ifafa. Which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. See, sometimes we're not called to pray for the sick. Sometimes we are called to pray for the sick. But sometimes we're not called to pray for the sick. Sometimes we're called to do a prophetic act. But that means that we have to be mindful of what the dove wants us to do, meaning the Holy Spirit. What God's doing in the moment. And so we got to be mindful of what goes on in our mind, in our thought processes. Because 
Grabbing that lady's ears on the end cap in Walmart was not my former youth pastor's and mine idea of how you minister to people, especially out in public places. Punching a biker is not how you imagine ministering to people. And I've learned that God will speak to you, or he speaks to me in that still small voice, but he will also speak to me in word pictures. Glenn, will you come up here just for a second? And the reason, you all know the story, but I, for those of you who watch on Facebook, I want you to see something. I talk about this testimony often. This is a man who came up for prayer, and we prayed several different times, and we were like, dear Jesus, heal him. And he had bad issues with his back and with his hip, and he could hardly walk, constant pain. And the whole time prayed for him, I kept seeing in my head, punch him as hard as you can. In his hip. That's not what they teach you in Bible college. And what you got to do is you got to listen to what Holy Spirit is saying to you. And so that means that sometimes you got to shut up and do what Holy Spirit says, even though it doesn't make any sense to you in the natural realm. And when when I saw him, I saw. I saw myself, in, in my imagination, I saw myself as clear as day, wham, and just punching him as hard as I could in the hip. And I had every doubt and everything running through my mind of every reason why I shouldn't punch him. First of all, you don't punch a biker, especially where Glenn was at that time in his life. He was just a brand new Christian. But the thing is, is sometimes God will ask you to do Things And you've got to understand that sometimes he's not asking you to speak out of your mouth. Sometimes he's asking you to do a prophetic act. And when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will have victory every time. And so we prayed for him several different times and he felt nothing and nothing. And I mean, he was walking around limping. And then finally I said, Glenn, I think God is telling me to punch you. He goes, well, punch me. And so I hauled off and I hit him as hard as I could. And that's when he started jumping up and down. And he's like, wow. And God instantly healed him on the spot as soon as I punched him. Sometimes God doesn't tell you to pray. Sometimes he doesn't tell you to call and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, or any of that. Sometimes he will speak to you and do, to do a prophetic act. And I want you to understand, it is all good. Calling down from heaven and asking God to heal somebody is good if that's what Holy Spirit's leading you to do in the moment. But Jesus was demonstrating to us how to live our life following the leading of the Holy Spirit. If it was methodical and every time somebody needed healing, all we had to do was, dear Jesus, we ask that you touch them right now, touch them in their body. Thank you, God, for their healing. In Jesus' name, amen. We would never learn to rely on God. We would never learn to lean on God. We would never learn to follow God. We would never learn to have that intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's through ministering to other people that we learn to have a deep connection with the Father. And Jesus was demonstrating to us as a man walking the earth, following the Holy Spirit's leading, how to have an intimacy with the Father. He was demonstrating to us even in every miracle that he did, in every action that he did, he did it with, with, um, with the presence of Holy Spirit on his mind and on purpose. 
And Glenn is a prime example of breakthrough when you listen to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And so, following the leading of Holy Spirit, even when it doesn't make sense, or even when it's uncomfortable, if you have to stand there with your fingers in Danny's ears, because I can tell you just standing up here, Danny and I are really, really close, aren't we? Oh, yeah? He wouldn't think nothing of it if I just walked up to him and stood next to him and put my finger in his ear. He would stand there and be like, this is good. We have that type of relationship, you know what I mean? But the thing was, was I could tell you this, standing in front of you with just both my fingers in his ear felt awkward. Normally it wouldn't with Danny and I, but in front of you guys it felt awkward. I kid you not, I could walk up to him and stand there, and he would stand there and he'd probably take her for five minutes. And likewise, if he did it to me, I'd be like, it's Danny. All right, let's see where this is going. You know what I mean? But the thing is, is um, sometimes the Holy Spirit will ask you to do things that don't make sense. But that's where you see your greatest breakthroughs. You know, we share about that lady from Alton Church. When she got healed back there. Natalie and I and a group of us, we were praying, we were praying, we were praying. And we were worshiping. We were cultivating the atmosphere. But the whole time, God's saying, grab her by the hands and say, in the name of Jesus, stand up and yank her up. And I had every thought going through my mind. Lawsuit. If this isn't God, this is not good. And I can tell you, in my own natural mind, I'm not going to sit there and say, grab a lady and say, in the name of Jesus, stand up and yank her up when she has a broken ankle that they want to do surgery on. You understand what I mean? That's not how I think. But I rationalize all the way around that, this is not God, this is not God, this is not God. And finally, at the end, I was frustrated because I was tired. I just wanted to go home. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And when Natalie and I yanked her up, she was instantly healed. And she ran down those steps, carrying her crutches over her, over her shoulders. Never had to have surgery, never had another pain. And it opened up the door where um, we were able to minister to other people at the Alden Church at the next event. Because we were, at a, uh, we were down in their basement and this, this couple had some issues going on. And um, one of them was, uh, it was horrendous migraines, if I remember right. And then also some back issues, if I remember right. And we went down there, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And at first they felt nothing. And we prayed more. And sometimes when you do ministry, you've, and, you, and you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you've got to press in, and you've got to keep going after it. But you've got to be mindful of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the moment. Because sometimes it might not be timing. Who knows what it could be? But sometimes it just not, might not be right for that situation. So you got to be mindful of what Holy Spirit's doing. But in this moment, we felt like, keep going after it. Keep going after it. And how long did we pray down there? About 30 minutes? Yeah, we prayed for them about 30 minutes. And when you're pressing in and you're going through it, and you're trying to go after that breakthrough, and you go, and I can tell you after five minutes, it gets awkward. Do you guys understand that? Sometimes to get your breakthrough, you have to push through awkwardness, uncomfortableness. And if the people have enough faith and they are willing to go the distance with you, go the distance and keep pushing through. Sometimes you have to push through that awkwardness because as we were down there, I'm going to tell you, I'm a pastor and I'm used to praying for people in public and it don't faze me anymore. But when sometimes when you have to dig in and you have to push through, it gets really awkward. It gets really uncomfortable. 
And you have to battle your own thoughts. God, are you really going to do anything? Are we just making, are we just doing, are we just randomly doing this? You understand what I mean? Do you feel that way, Natalie? Did you feel awkward down there? Yes. So we were both feeling awkward down there. We never talked about this before. And um, down in their basement in the Alton Church, we were feeling really awkward with this couple. And after 30 minutes, Holy Spirit brought deliverance. But we had to push through the awkwardness of the uncomfortableness of the situation. And it was getting very uncomfortable. One of the ways that we try to, and I'm going to, I'm going to share with you practical now. When we minister to people out on the streets or when we minister to people up here, a lot of times we will interview them after we get done praying for them. Are you guys with me? I want you guys to hear this. Don't be afraid to ask people questions. If, if you're not seeing a word picture like punch a biker, you know what I mean? If you're not seeing that in your imagination, pray for them. Because it is Jesus who heals. All, there's nothing wrong with prayer unless Holy Spirit is giving you a, a vivid word picture of punch a biker or grab them by the hands and make them stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, stand. You understand what I mean? Unless he's giving you an image in your head of a prophetic act, if you're not getting that, then pray. Are you guys hearing me? And so, when you're praying, pray for them. And don't, you don't have to pray one long prayer for 30 minutes, and you don't have to get flowery, and you don't have to get eloquent, and you don't have to pray in King James English, thus saith the Lord. You know, you don't have to do any of that. Just be you. Be you. Be simple. Be to the point. All of us talk different. You guys understand that? There's one right way to pray. Are you guys hearing me? I'm going to give you the secret. You guys want a secret? There's one right way to pray. Are you guys ready? There's only one right way to pray. However you do it. Don't try to sound like me or you'll blow it every time. God didn't call you to be me. He called you to be you. There's only one right way to pray. And that's however you choose to talk to your father. And I can tell you this, he don't need King James English, and he doesn't need big words, and he doesn't need you to say, you know, and he doesn't need to get all dramatic and all that stuff. Just be you. We were talking about it recently about when Pastor Havisha, I think I was telling, um, I think I was telling Dennis and Maureen last week about um, I worked for, for a while on trying to get her to pray in public when she was a young Christian. And... Um, and she didn't like it. She didn't want to pray in public. And the way I did that was I would have her dismiss the, I started having her dismiss the meetings. And I remember the, um, the first, and we, we laugh about this to this day, and I remember the first meeting that I had her pray to dismiss. Just pray, you know, just pray a blessing over people. And, you know, the dismissal prayer. You guys know what I mean. We do the dismissal prayer in services, don't we? But the first time she ever did that publicly, she was just like, I said, I said Havisha's going to, um, She's going to dismiss us in prayer tonight. Her eyes were this big. And she was glaring at me like, you don't get it after this is over. You know, she had that look about her. And, um, and, um, and so she prayed this prayer. And she said, and it was, it was real simple. She goes, God, 
Thank you for letting us meet tonight. Thank you that we got into your word. Good night, God. And she stood up and, and um, that was the end of it. Let's pick that apart theologically for a minute. What was wrong with that prayer? Nothing. Because she was being 100% herself. There was no amen at the end of it. And guess what? It didn't have to be an amen. She just, she gave simple thanks, and she said, good night, God. Yeah, and then she's done. And that was the first time she prayed in public. And it wasn't the last, and then, and she grew into being a mighty minister with a mighty prayer ministry, and, um, and, and she grew into the lady she is today. And it's, and it's really amazing to see. And the thing is, is the secret to prayer is just be you. And if just being you is saying a simple thanks and saying, good night, God, so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I can tell you this, your good night, God, is so much more powerful than anything the devil can do in this world because you have been given the authority by Jesus. And so when you say good night, God, even the devil will tremble. You guys understand that? Because when you start opening your mouth and you communicate with your father, you start cultivating that intimacy. That's where miracles happen. That's where breakthroughs happen. So just be you. Don't be me. Don't be the person next to you. Don't be Billy Graham. Don't be the TV evangelist. Be you. And talk to God as yourself. Talk to him just as a normal person, as if you were your closest friend, because he, in reality, he is your closest friend. He's the person that, the being that you're going to have the most intimacy with from now until eternity, through all, all eternity. So just be you. You don't have to go into reciting the promises of God if you're not there yet. Just be you. Because God already knows the promises. When I'm pushing through breakthrough, you got to remember, I have, a, I have a degree in this. And so to me, I think of this stuff automatically. And so whenever we're pushing for breakthrough, sometimes I'll start declaring the promises of God over the situation because I'm not telling that person and I'm not trying to conjure up faith in me. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make every spiritual force out there aware that God is in control of this situation. God has the power. God has the authority in this situation and breakthrough is coming. But the thing is, is I'm trained in that. And God doesn't need you to be trained in that. Study to show yourself approved. If you don't know the promises of God, dig in, and in a couple years you'll be able to declare them. But there's sometimes all the faith that you need is a good night God to get that breakthrough. You understand what I mean? God can do what you consider small and insignificant or what you may consider ineffectual. God will take that. and He will, because it says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed into the sea, and it will be moved into the sea. And God's not looking for wise and persuasive words. He's not looking for flowery words or eloquent words or you standing on the promises of his or anything. He's looking for you just to have the simple faith to say, God, do your thing. Amen. Or do your thing. Good night. You know what I mean? If you have the faith just to even be able to do that over somebody, I guarantee you, you will see breakthrough and you will see miracles. Just be you. But be you 
following the leading of the Holy Spirit. If He gives you a word picture, have the guts to do it. But if He, um, if he tells you to pray, pray. And even if your prayer is just be like, God, do your thing. Good night. You understand what I mean? Because there is power in your connection with your Father. And when you connect with your Father, when you two are connected and you're living and doing the work of the ministry with the dove in mind, meaning Holy Spirit, and being obedient to Him, that's where you see the breakthrough. That's where you see the miracles. And Jesus demonstrated that to us with, and, and just saying one word, be, or two words, be opened. Turn to um, Mark chapter 8. Holy cow. We went way over time. Mark chapter 8. And I don't want to lose. Can you guys give me 15 more minutes? Are you guys good with that? Or is it lunchtime? No, it is lunchtime, but can you give me 15 more minutes? Because I don't want to lose this train of thought because it will be hard to pick it up next week. We good? All right. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsidia, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village, so he drawed him away from the people again. This is where it gets awkward. We're going to talk about awkward again. It says, Jesus spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. And Jesus asked, do you see anything? So there Jesus is interviewing him. And that's why I was talking about you interviewing people. When we pray for people, we'll be like, did you feel anything? We'll pray for them just for a little bit and we'll ask them, did you feel anything? And sometimes people will be like, no, I felt nothing. And we're like, then we ask permission, can we pray again? And we base what we do on the person's level of comfort. If they're really awkward and they're not comfortable, then we'll just we'll let it go. Because they have free will in this too. You guys understand this. The people that we're ministering to have free will too. And so we got to be respectful of what they're feeling. Okay? So don't get all religious crazy on them and say, No, you're going to get breakthrough. God's going to move in you. You may not feel nothing yet, but we're going again. Whether you like it or not, <clears throat> dear Jesus. You understand what I mean? Don't get all religious crazy on them. Be respectful of what the person is. Be mindful of, they're, they're going to feel awkward because I'll be honest with you, you all want to gather around me and lay hands on me and pray for me, I'm going to stand here and feel awkward, but I'll let you do it. You guys understand what I mean? So be mindful of what they're feeling. They will feel awkward, but if they're really uncomfortable and they just really want out of there, let them go. Okay, because they have free will in this situation too. And so be respectful of the people you're praying for. But if they're just dealing with the awkwardness of being prayed for, which I, if you pray for me, I will deal with, you'll have to deal with me feeling awkward. Okay? And I know this stuff. And I will still feel awkward. I feel a lot more better if like two or three people will take me privately and pray for me. I'm a whole lot better with that than I am like if you all just gather around me and start praying for me right now. It'll make me feel awkward. But I'd let you do it and I would stand here and I wouldn't want to run or anything, but you would notice that my body language would change. You guys understand? So be mindful of them. If they're feeling awkward, it's okay as long as they're not wanting to run. So be mindful of what the person is feeling. But interview them and ask them, what are you feeling? 
Because when we pray for people, that's what we do. We interview them. We ask them what they're feeling. And sometimes they'll be like, well, I feel nothing. And then we pray again. And then sometimes they'll say like, well, this is weird, but my pain has actually moved. And it'll be in a different part of their body. Anything that they feel, whether it's heat, whether it's pain, whether it's, whether it's uh, their pain moved, or anything that they feel is a sign that something's happening. Okay? And that means... If they, a person is willing, go for it again. Okay? Go for it again. Because there's a spirit of infirmity that brings sickness upon people. And our job is to destroy the works of the devil. And that means we are to bring healing wherever we go. We're to release the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And so when you pray for somebody and the pain moves, go at it again. Because I've watched where the pain will move, it'll move down their arm, or it'll move up their arm, down their chest. Sometimes, it'll, and, it'll, and if you keep praying, it'll, it'll keep going lower and lower, and until it's gone. And it may take five or six times praying before that pain exits their body. Okay? So don't be afraid to go after it again. But interview them. And then if they say, well, I feel better, and you're like, okay, from a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being 100% healed and 1 being you felt nothing, where are you at? And they're like maybe 5 or 6. Say, can we pray again? And then you, and then you interview them again and you ask them on a scale of 1 to 10 and, and then they may be like, I'm still at a 5, then pray again if they're willing. And then keep praying until you get them to 100% wholeness. But at the same time, reassure the person that you don't have to tell me what you think I want to hear. Tell me what you're feeling because you have to encourage people to be honest in this because honesty is the only way you're going to get breakthrough. Because sometimes people will be like, tell you, I feel 10, I feel great, just so they can get out the door. You understand what I mean? And so be mindful of their body language. Be mindful of what they're feeling and assure them that, hey, if you don't want to go forward, that's cool. But, but if, there's, if there's movement, if, there, if there's progression, keep going after it. And Jesus kind of modeled that to us in this passage. He says, do you see anything? In verse 24, the man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. So this guy that Jesus just did spit on his eyes and placed his hands on him, this man is not 100% healed yet. The first try. So this is Jesus taking two. You guys understand what I mean? This is our Lord and Savior. God in the flesh going a second round. Have you guys ever thought about that? And I want you guys to understand what we read in the Bible isn't the whole synopsis of Jesus' life. There's all sorts of miracles and all sorts of things that Jesus did that are not recorded. These are what his followers saw him do. You know, we've seen over the last eight, how long have we been together? Ten years? Eight, nine, ten years? What is it? Ten years? We've been together with them doing ministry for ten years now. And sometimes they were sharing stories that happened that I was actually a part of with them that I had totally forgot. They will share testimonies that they will remember. And I want you guys to understand, when we read the Gospels and we see the works of Jesus' life, these are the people that walked with him sharing the things that they remembered, sharing the things that really stuck out to them, that really ministered to them. Danny and Natalie sometimes will remember things 
that I don't remember, and I'll remember things that they didn't remember, but as soon as we talk about it, we're like, oh yeah, that happened, when we start sharing the testimonies. And so this is not the whole picture of Jesus' earthly ministry, because it is somewhere in the Bible it declares that if everything that he did was written, all the books in the world couldn't contain that knowledge and that information. But we see in this, in, the, in Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus having to take two. The man said in verse 24, I looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more. Do you guys hear that? This is Jesus. And it says once more. That means again. We're going after it again. This is Jesus demonstrating to us what it's like to live fully human following the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is a picture of Jesus who is fully God, but he's not touching that. He's demonstrating to us what it's like to live as a man following the leading of the Holy Spirit that sometimes when you follow the leading